<laughs> yeah. Evening, fuck of fans. Evening, fuck of fans. How we doing? Steady music. I that... broke out in a sweat. Did hey, you? Yeah. He did. I don't watch that program. It drives me mad. Does it? Oh, oh we like that all the time. Yeah. I love just... that program. I shout at the screen. What are you doing? You don't do it like no. that. Yeah, is it not real? Just like no, over the bill. No, just like real. we are with the bill and stuff Absolutely. like that. Absolutely. Yeah. Actually, we found out the other day that uh, my flucker colleague here, uh, according to uh, Posh Gangster. Is obsessed with the police. That's why I'm dressed in my... Uh, in your police onesie. And I've got epilepsy on my pyjamas. <laughs> He's got big epilepsy in Kenny Everett. <laughs> yeah, that's it. Oh, yeah, crikey. Uh, so we've got a special guest with us tonight. Hello, hello, well, they hello, may have hello, worked hello. that out already. There's yeah, a third yeah, voice. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's from the fire brigade, isn't it? Yes. No, 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 no. 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 <laughs> oh, damn, I'm having a stroke. Hang on. Oh, hang on a minute. <laughs> the paramedics not like the fire brigade either? Yeah, we don't. They're Is there right. a little They're bit of because you're not as popular? No, no, no. They're good people. Really, they are. They are, aren't they? Yeah. 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 <laughs> Especially if you've got somebody squealing in a car and you need a mat. It's nice to hear that siren coming. Yeah, no, absolutely. That's what we think about you. Oh, when we're stuck with someone doing flaming chest compressions yeah. and well they're first there so that's usually we're so bad with response sometimes that they're first there and it's nice for them to take a hand over from them instead of having to shout help yeah there was a period of time just recently when the fire service were doing like the fast response car for chest patients weren't they there's yeah. a couple of guards i know in uh, yeah. in our town well yeah. that's still going on i don't know if it's still going on but they were the paramedics were that short that the fire service were uh, yeah, providing the car weren't they just for chest pains and Good lads. Yeah, yeah, they're prepared to do it. I mean, at the end of the day, if you're in need, you're in need. It doesn't matter who presses the button as long as somebody does. That's right. Or it's half a day out with a co-op if they don't get anybody there. Isn't it? So. <laughs> so, just as a bit of a brief introduction then. Yeah. So, your name, real name is Jim Bob. Ah, could be Jim Bob. Jim Bob. Yeah. Jim, Jim Bob today. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, tell us a bit about yourself, Jim Bob, and oh. how you came to be, well, yeah. sat here, feet you know, seeking fame and fortune. Fame and fortune, I'm not too bothered about. But many years ago, many years ago, I was, uh, I used to do a lot of road accident recovery and uh, I thought, you know what, I could do. And we used to clean up road accidents and, you know, we got on well with the police and, and the ambulance service and every everybody there helping to do whatever we did. And I thought, I could do that. Yeah, I could do that. I could scream around with my backside on fire on blue lights yeah. not giving the thought that I might have to actually train to do something when I get there but I thought well, I'd give it a go and uh, a few years on uh, few, how long ago was that then Jim Bob 25 25 wow. years ago right 25 well, years yeah, ago yeah. look how great look how great it's been yeah yeah he yeah, was jet black wasn't he before absolutely yeah yeah I'm only 26 now look at me <laughs> <laughs> I know I look Sixty, yeah, something like that. Mm. So anyway, so yeah, I thought I'd get to go. So what's uh, the consternation of the garage I worked for? And did me notice in and said, "Hey, off you go. I'm going to be a." The, the advert said, "Do you want to be a paramedic?" That's what it said. What they didn't say is that you, you start off right at the very bottom and you learn and go right through the ropes, learning the job bit by bit. Uh, I suppose like a PC cadet would. Oh, right, yeah. yeah, right at the bottom, you learn how to talk to people, look at best best part of the career. Really low pressure, taking grandma and granddad to the hospital, really learnt a lot about them, tell you things that they wouldn't tell their own family, really became friends with them. Uh, three years of that, and then I decided I'd better go to be a join join the A and E, get on the blue light stuff. Well I did that for I applied a couple of times and bearing in mind I'm squeamish, so that was always in the back of your mind. Right. <laughs> so yeah, got on a got on 
technician training, became a technician, 12 months technician, applied for paramedic training. Why I did that, I have no idea because, um, you know, the pressure it brought with it. But actually there was, the real reason I, I applied was because the entrance exam for paramedic was the end of year, similar to the end of year exam for technician. And apparently if you passed the paramedic entrance exam, you didn't have to do the end of year technician exam. Okay. Unfortunately, they didn't mark it, so I had to do them both. Oh. And I didn't know that I passed. I don't know where it came from, but I did actually pass. And before I know it, I'm on a paramedic course. Okay. So how, met, how long was your paramedic course then? Uh, it, it, it was in three stages. Um, you did blocks of so many weeks, then you went out, then you did blocks of more extended training, and then level three, you did you went into hospitals. Right. And you did actually, you know, they let you loose with patients doing ex- extended skills. And then uh, that was it, you was that, paramedic, book stamps, and off you go. Brilliant. Get on there. Yeah, so, so. Did, wow. which point did you do driving course then for your ambulance? Driving courses at the technician, you do, when you first do days, what they call days, PTS, you do a, uh, we did a fortnight's driving. And then when you do the advance, we did the road craft that the police do for two weeks. Yeah. You know the uh, where you have to recite road craft, yeah, like yeah. the advanced driving. Okay. So you do that for two weeks, and then you let loose on blue lights. Right. So away we went. So, so you did that before you became a paramedic. Yeah. 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 I did yeah. I did okay. technician for twelve months, then paramedic. I became a paramedic after twelve months after training, uh, and I was nine months training, and then somebody says, "This is an instructor's job. Go and you talk a lot. You better go for that." I said, yeah, but that's what I'm talking about. I said, don't matter, you talk a lot. <laughs> so there. I applied to be an instructor and I got on the course. So Fuck you mean. Next thing I was teaching people with 25 years in that... <laughs> They've been so, getting it all wrong? No, no, they hadn't. <laughs> no, I, that's, how I learned, that's why I learned what I did, because the experience they had, they'd seen things I've never seen right. and probably never would again. Cars are safer. Cars used to... Chop your white mincemeat in yeah. those accents, as you will know. Yeah. Do you remember yeah. the old four Granadas and the four Capris that used to fold up when you touched them? Yeah. But now all cars are super safe. A lot of people, you know, live in them. You yeah. know, they, they live when they, in the years gone by. They Volvo, apparently Volvo are saying that in four years' time, nobody would die in one of their cars. Wow. So if I get cancer, I'm going to buy one. Yeah, what do you reckon? That's got to be a good thing. If there's a contract out on you, just get a ball. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And if I get to 80, I'm going to take up smoking because then that takes 20 years to kill you. Right. So I'll take 100. Yeah. <laughs> Anytime. So yeah, I did instructing, I did a lot of um, teaching over the years, um, in and out of training, out on the road, operational, back in training, back on the road. Because at one um, point you was in the, uh, is it the fast response call? Yeah, I was yeah, responding, yeah, the SLO yeah. responder. So you did that for how long did you do that for? I did that for two years. Right. Uh, and I still do, if, you know, if I get the chance, uh, I still get out and do a bit on the road. So okay. you know, I'll get out in a car and do a bit. Frightening place though. Must be like a Bobby on her own going to a riot, mm. I would have thought, or going to a, a domestic violence. But on a car, it's a scary place to be. Because you've got to drive, you're worried about what you're going to, and you know, you turn up at your job with multiple patients, and you're having to get your head round and start sure, organising yeah. things and screaming for help. So, yeah. I always found it a lonely place. Mm. You know, certainly. Quite challenging that. You want some years in before you start doing yeah. stuff like that. And, you know, people see that that's all the job is. They see it as that's, you know, the be all and end all. Come on, let's, you know, let's. 
let's go to all these Gucci jobs and let's and they think that's all it is like it is on the telly what they don't realize the telly edits all the boring mundane stuff out sometimes the funny stuff they edit that out and all you see is the you know the real critical stuff yeah i suppose just like the police program yeah just the same aren't they yeah yeah who wants to see somebody sat writing for four hours no or or to doing the proper patient assessment that takes you know like 20 minutes when they need 30 seconds of action yeah you know so yeah it can be a bit um Worked worked well with the police for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. I remember a story. It was telling us one morning, early one morning. Phone rings out. We go to this uh, little old lady's house, um, and we're there, nice and nice, bright morning, and uh, not being seen for a few days is usually concern for welfare. Mm-hmm. So we goes to the uh, house and uh, knocks at the door, no response, and a concerned neighbour comes out, oh, well, we've made the call, and you're thinking, you know, just having my tea and toast, thank you very much. <laughs> oh, you're welcome, yeah, you, yeah, good, well done. So after a bit of banging on the door, no response. So we goes round, looks in the windows, can't see anything, curtains are still drawn. It's about, going on for about half past seven now, so time's ticking on. So I thought, well, I think we might have to put the door in see what we're going to find. Uh, the good thing was there was no blue bottles in the windows. That's yeah, that's always a good, always a good yeah. start. Yeah, or yeah. stench coming through the letter. That's box. right, yeah. 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 The uh, the uh, five generations of blue bottles that seem to appear <laughs> from nowhere. Uh, why does that happen? I don't know. Never fly in the house and you go you go into those jobs and there's like five no, yeah. generations of blue yeah. bottles. Yeah. Where did they come from? Where did they come from? There must be there must be one fly that, that sets it all off. Yeah. And it was... Yeah, the old generation. Anyway, so we thought, well, there's no, it doesn't seem to be a problem here. So by which time the police are involved, police turn up and they said, shall we get fire service out? I said, no, we'll have the door in ourselves. What do you reckon? Are we happy, concerned for safety? So, yeah. Now, this time it's about school time. So, you know, everybody's gathering around the bottom of the gate thinking, what's going on? Police cars outside, big ambulance, big yellow taxi outside. What are we going to do? Oh, well, a bit of entertainment. So, anyway, he says to this uh, Bobby, who we may name this, he says, uh, go on then, mate, put the door in. So he takes a step back, shoulder barges the door, bounces off it, like you do. And we knew, we knew that the door, because you couldn't open it at all, it was locked, and we think the key was still in it. So we knew that it was in the house. So, bounces off the door. So, pushes himself down a bit. Looks a bit embarrassed that the door's beating. Takes two steps back, lunches at the door. Bosh! Bounces off it again. Thought, oh dear, is this it? Well, now the people are getting really interested now. Cause a bit of entertainment, you know how yeah. they do. Yeah, especially when Where do they come from? Jungle drums are brilliant, aren't they? Yeah, yeah. You know, even before the days of texting and Facebook. <laughs> yeah. Here, what's mm. going off? You know, it, it, anyway, there's quite a crowd covering there. So he takes steps back to the end of the drive launches himself 100 mile an hour hits this door bosh bang square on and after this cloud of dust has settled the doors come out not off its hinges but took the door frame <laughs> and everything and laid it in the hallway so there's all dust settling there's bricks falling out at the top of the top of the door frame was the mortars just landing and dogs are barking in nearby houses and the house is not a movement in the house so in we go, we picked up the response bags and we crawl into this house. It was a fairly well-kept house, but 
the net curtains have been there for probably 30 years and never mm. been washed a bit yeah, yeah. and you're going up the stairs and the creaking of the gate the stairs and you, we go into this you know, like bedroom and the decor's a bit dated and we walk into this bedroom and uh, there's this double bed with candlewick do you remember candlewick do you remember the candlewick blankets they used to have no like, uh, before the, my time oh it probably <laughs> Like over the top, there was no quilts or anything then, it was old fashioned linen and he's found these candle wick um, sheets that went over the top. So we looked in the, and through the light, through the haze of the dust that's still settling, we see this shape in the bed, absolutely laid out as if it was on a mortuary table, with the covers right up to under the neck and the sun's starting to come through these shady neck curtains and catch a glimpse of this corpse-like, moribund-looking patient on the bed with the mouth open, thinking, oh dear. So I'm thinking about basic training, Eddie Dangerous to me, we've done that one. Patient's position, patient's colour, check the airway. Better get down and check the airway. So gets down, oh, response first. Checks her, no response. Shakes her, shakes in her ear, no response. Just goes to open her mouth, she wakes up, gives out the biggest scream. I can tell <laughs> She wasn't dead, she's bleeding asleep, she was really needs our attention. No, oh dear, 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 dear. I'll tell you what, I think I needed defibrillated. God, give us a break. Oh, I can imagine that amazing. <laughs> You're not kidding. Oh, yeah. we, we covered one of the techniques, didn't we, that paramedics have for waking up someone who's pretending to be unconscious. Is this one that you train? Because apparently you lift up their eyelid and then you and then you flick their eyeball. There's someone ringing up with the answer there. Oh, uh, yeah, it is, yeah. Good fun, friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Officially, no, you're not supposed to assault somebody now when you see if they're awake. You don't yeah. do that. But yeah, back I mean, in the doctors day. do that. Yeah, doctors, I've seen it done. When they get the corner of the paper and they stick it in the eye and they scratch the eye to see. Oh, really? Yeah, to oh. see if Oh, God, that's making my toes cool. Yeah, I've seen that, that done. That's worse than being yeah. in the eye. Yeah. yeah. But we don't know. It's a verbal response. Shouting the tab holes, clapping each ear hole. And then just get hold of the shoulders and just give them a squeeze and see if they wake up. Mm. We don't advocate any of this rolling the pen over the fingertips now or right. external rub. Yeah. Because, uh, you know, like I say, you can hurt somebody. And as, as with the political climate, climate now, you, you know, you could you just be accused just let them carry on mucking about. You wait. Well, absolutely. You could be accused of assaulting them. Oh, um, dear. So if you've got one that's playing dead that isn't, you know. You, you just let them. Well, there's not a lot else you can do. Usually I whisper, you can pack it, wake up now. There's nothing. Yeah, the, the, the cops have gone now. The cops have gone now. You can wake up now. I do they do yeah, do yeah, yeah. They wake up and look at you like, oh, I'm a bit... Oh, I've just come out of a coma. Oh, I've just come out of a coma. Yeah, yeah they yeah. wake up. Where's my tea? Yeah, yeah. Where's my gear? Yeah, oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The general public. Brilliant. Yeah. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. So what have been your... Uh, some of what what's been your favourite jobs then? You you joined as a paramedic, but you you found that it took ages to get there. The um the the older the little elderly ladies that uh, have been on the floor a bit, and you know you turn up, um, make them a bit, you know, make them comfortable, make them feel wanted, clean them up if they've you know had a little accident, make them feel wanted again, get them get them on the settee, you know, if they've been on the floor for a bit, check them over and have a cup of tea with them and yeah. 
you know, give them a chance to tell them about their life. Mm. That's a big thing. I think a lot of, I think old, old age comes with a lot of problems and the main one is loneliness. A lot of people, when they get older, get lonely. And if you think that when you retire, how your circle of friends diminishes, mm. you know, and you know, you see this with, particularly on the ambulance service, you go to people and, you know, they've got loved ones and, oh, and, and where's your son? Well, he's a professor in medicine. And where is he? Well, he's in, he's in Brisbane in Australia. Oh, so you don't see him very often. No, he'll ring once a week or he'll send a birthday card and things like that. And I think that's really, really sad, you know, yeah. that they've done all that and then they get to that point of their life and they're lonely. And they don't see anybody from one week to the next till they're ill or they're in 999. Yeah, I mean, you've mentioned that before, haven't you? Because you dealt with a sudden death where nobody knew this individual had passed away. Yeah, it was, it was one of the saddest things I've, I've ever yeah. been to, really. And he'd been there for, for weeks. No one knew. And then, so nobody okay. reported him. Nobody was, you know, he wasn't missed by anybody. And you're right, that's, that's very I, sad, I, isn't I, it? I had exactly the same, exactly the same um, thing with somebody that had passed away. I won't tell you the circumstances, but nevertheless... They disappeared off the face of the earth for five five weeks, and uh, I have to say, we can send an email to somebody halfway around the world, and it's there within seconds. Yet, we can miss somebody for five weeks. How does that happen? Mm. That we miss somebody for five weeks? Yeah, you know, there's usually. I mean, obviously, the people that ring in and ask if you've had an accident, they don't know whether they're answering or not, but. You know, in today's life, how does that happen? I find yeah, that interesting. It's wrong, so, isn't it? Yeah, so it seems so sad. Yeah, it is. So, you know, I find that really hard. I think people say, you know, oh, I bet you've seen some things. I bet you know. And, I, you know, I've seen you, you lads walk into things and think, goodness me, I wouldn't like to be on the end of that. Mm-hmm. I've been going to separate them two thugs fighting. But I do think that... Um, they give they give a lot for the job. People give a lot for the job and... Yeah, not just our own mental health, but the mental health of others. You know, that's probably one of the saddest things because it's the least that anybody does for anybody with mental health. Yeah, the systems are in place. You ask the politicians; they've got a box that's ticked that says, "Oh yeah, it's all okay, hunky dory," and then, and then when it actually comes to, you know, the, there's nothing done. Friday night, twenty to ten on a Friday night, you start ringing around to get somebody some help, and the only thing for them. Is to sit him in a casualty with, you know, and you've been to some of the A and E's around here. You yeah. know, they're like they're like Fort Apache, aren't they? Yeah. The Bronx, aren't mm-hmm. they? Yeah, they're like battlefields, and yeah. you know, when you're not feeling right it, yourself, it's not the place for you to go. And again, we you know we've, we've had a podcast about mental health, and one of the other alternatives is they end up in a police station. Yeah. In a, in a cell. The worst possible place it's, to be. Yeah. You know when Locked when in, yeah. yeah when you're at the end of your at your wit's end yeah. and there's nowhere else to turn do you, do you really want to be in that place no. it's it's the same isn't it you know, but even, even you know, some days for cops it's like what are we going to do with this patient yeah. you know four, it's four not, walls that's it's what not, I yeah is it a paramedic's job yeah. not well, really no but we are we are um, that's part of our job is yeah I, I mean I say to new starters what what's your expectation of the role and you know they really do have some rose-coloured glasses and romantic views of they're going to save lots and lots of lives, and they do, but they probably don't realise how many they actually do save 
by doing the mundane routine mm-hmm. things and mental health is one of those yeah. you know and then you know and like lately we have a main line that runs past past newark and is you know and it's terrible to say the amount of people that find it necessary to to bring it all to a drastic yeah. close to try and stop a one two five yeah there has been quite a lot recently hasn't there? yeah um, and i've warned people when they join that you know the uh, maybe I'll get told off one day about it, but you know the job will damage you or it will change you in a way I can't I can't describe the things that seem important now won't seem important, mm. uh, and sometimes the little thing everybody has like is a pressure cooker and they'll only take so much pressure before they blow the valve. Mm. Is there much support? Because um, you, yeah. yes, there is. There is. I, I mean, years gone by. We sit in the mess room, like now, this is offloading. You as yeah. emergency services, I know this is helping to offload. And people that are listening will probably be thinking, yeah, you know, this is helping. I know what he's feeling. I know where he's coming from with yeah. that. And years gone by, you go out, do a job, pick it up. It could be the worst kind of job you do. And your mate that's been on for 30 years, would, would he wouldn't say a lot, but he knew what to say and how to mm. deal with it. And I, how to let you deal with it. As I suppose, Rocky, Rocky Bobby's going to yeah. the first... To the first sudden death mm. i think you know th- and you had time then you go back to station you'd have a cup of tea and you'd be able to process the information and package it and pour it away but nowadays the pressure is such that you don't have that it's it's relent unrelenting it's job after job after job and if you don't get time to break that to offload that information then i think that we do suffer with uh, mental health within our organisation. That being said, it's been recognised and they are striving to do more for mm. people that find themselves in that position. Uh, we have a lot of holistic care. Um, one of my friends who I used to work with, he's actually you know, seen the enlightenment. He's a minister now and he, he comes and talks to our courses and he's set up trim. He's been purloined all over the world to set up to go and show what we do. We do a thing called trim. Trim, yeah. Please yeah, have trim, please have that. Yeah. Well, yeah, well, I think um, our, well, my friend, he helped set that up in our, and he goes all over Europe now doing it, yeah. where people from Australia are looking at it. And it's an important mm. recognition that mental mm. health is important. Mm. You know, you can't function. And the things that you do pull you down. Mm. And the people that, are, that only know that have gone and done that will know where we're coming from. Yeah. Do you take that stuff home? No, never. You never take it home? No, never. Never have done. I thought it would be in Swedish, but I never do. No. Never bothers me. Okay. Makes me hungry. <laughs> I have to go and eat. <laughs> well, we, you know, we often said that there's there's a very dark humour that runs through the police. Yeah. Which helps you, which certainly helped me, you know, come to terms with some of the things that, you know, you're exposed to. You come away and you, you process it in your head and then, you know, one of your colleagues might say something that was a bit like, Oh, actually, you know, you go. Well, do you know that person is dead beyond yeah, help? That's right. Um, yeah, yeah. Was it an inappropriate comment? Well, it, maybe it was if somebody else heard it. It's not, yeah. to, you know, it's not that's to me. Right. Not and, know. you know, maybe we use humour to get over it and deal with our issues of, you know, what 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 we've just witnessed. I have difficulty with people on the outside passing judgment to people on the inside mm. that do it. Yeah, you know, and I've got a great number of friends that. You know that we talk to each other, and they come and seem to. I mean, I've taught many people over the years, and they all make a beeline and they'll come and have a chat and tell me how they're going on and what they've dealt with. 
And I, I always thought, I used to have a saying, who cares for the carers? Mm. Who, who looks after you lads yeah. when it, and lasses when it's going wrong? You know, and that's the point that I think is missed sometimes. You're just screwing the extra piece of flesh out of you, more so now, yeah. because every penny's got to be accounted for. And yeah. I think that they... Uh, so how, how is things like, you used to talk about the stress of the job, the yeah. relentless nature of the job. So, so, so what is the current state of play with staffing and resources, is it? Is it's, it? I, think, I think the expectation for people is that well, if we can't sort it out, we'll offload it to the ambulance service and let them deal with it. You know, if, if somebody's got a problem, they don't know what to do, they can't get a doctor out or they can't get help, they just ring for, ring for the ambulance because it's 999, it's an easy number, and your duty of care says you've got to go. Mm. You know, and they do filter out a lot. And, and the recognition that some of these, you know, our services do filter out a lot of the stuff to try to stream it elsewhere. But the problem is, is that some of it gets through, you know, and if you, you know, like, yeah, I remember, you know, I'd, I'd not been long finished my primary training, three months in I was, and I remember looking after this, this uh, chap on the steps of a well-known nightclub in the town, and he was absolutely covered, toxic and vomit, and, and all he had, he drunk too much, yeah. you know. But it's that, that saying, well, he's still somebody's, somebody's loved one, and you know, to let if he rolled on his back and choked on his vomit, who was who had the opportunity to help him? Yeah. You know, and we go, well, we call it, you know, we call those jobs like what a load of bollocks job, lob jobs. Yeah. And you know, he said, oh, that's a load of bollocks that is. But actually, when you looked at every patient interaction, is of value because you learn from it. Yeah. And it's the one, and it's not the little old lady that's having a heart attack that will lose you your job. It will be because you've gone with the wrong attitude into a job. And you've let somebody down, mm. and that's the one that will cost you your career. The so, care approach, we call it. Right. Okay. Cover us, remain employed. Okay, like it. Yeah. <laughs> like it. Yeah. That could get cascaded out. That could. Yeah. yeah. The care approach, cover us, remain employed. Right, look, listeners, remember where you heard it first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, write a book. I'm just asking you a couple of questions then. One, um, one, one was about you know you're talking about the. The pressure cooker situation yeah. then it's because we often say about cops you know it's not normal for cops to go from a fight to a road traffic collision to a missing person to a, a rape victim you um, know you do all that in a in a 10 hour 12 hour yeah. shift is it similar then for as yeah. a paramedic so you know you're yeah. going from well could you give an example of where you've had one of those days friday night yeah I, well i can i remember um well now you know like one 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 as good as one 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 is, you know that a lot of difficulty breathing, in the towards the evening, and you get there and it's a child with a cold and you think you know well maybe it's, maybe some patients should accept responsibility for, you know uh, you know for like your child's got a cold it's not difficulty breathing it's got a cold but once you initiate that difficulty breathing that's what it gets logged as and nobody dare say. Well, your child's got a cold mm. until somebody and the problem is there's so many horror stories where things like that have been missed and it's turned into something more serious and respir- respiratory diseases kill kids that's what kills kids kids don't die of heart attack they die of respiratory diseases okay they die of you know because they have a real bad asthma attack or a real bad chest infection or bronchitis that's what kills kids hypoxia kills kids kids don't die of heart trouble or strokes even though you can have a stroke when you're young, but generally they don't carry the 
the comorbidity, the diseases that older people have. So, you know, and that's why they're so fearful of them. But you can go from that, you can have lots of them in an evening to to nothing. But I do remember one week, I hadn't been trained up very long, and I'm working with a really, really funny lad. And I did five, five sudden deaths, resuscitations. I did five resuscitations in one week, one every day, two a day, some of them. And it was like, God, what have I doing wrong? You know, the Grim Reaper today. Mm-hmm. And, I, and every one of them we transported to the local mortuary, to the hospital. We weighed him in on the sledge, as you do. You had to weigh yeah. him in. Do you remember when the, the police mm-hmm. would come and they'd do all the belongings? Yeah. And then on a Friday night, I remember the Friday, last day of the shift, I'd had a week of it, and I'd been to the mortuary, I'm beginning to think, you know, I'm kind of seeing, I can count the number of the bricks on the wall mm-hmm. in the mortuary. So, this particular job, we we got this job, and it was somebody not breathing, and we were in a toilet in a well-known restaurant. Um, yeah, like McDonald's, it was, a, you know, like a well-known restaurant. And we went to this chap, and this chap had been released from custody, He'd been locked up for some time and he got ordered some heroin and he'd injected himself. When he got there, he wasn't breathing. He was still alive, but he wasn't breathing. And I'll never forget, we, we got there and we jumped in and I gave the drug naloxone. And in those days, we used to give a high dose of naloxone, which is a drug that reverses opiates. And this patient, we gave him this drug and he was absolutely flat. He wasn't breathing, his pulse was climbing and we thought, feared the worst is going to go. And he, he just woke up, his eyes shut up and he projectile vomited all over this copper. And he just thought, I'd, I'd said to him, don't stand there. And he'd ignored me. Don't stand there. And I think he thought I was pulling his leg. And when it, when this stuff went in, he did his system and he woke up, he sat up and he projectile vomited all over him. Well, That's I quite a common with that. Too. Yeah, 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 yeah. We don't give it so quick now. I think we keep him a bit not so aggressive because obviously if he's paid 25 quid for his kids and you come along and watch it he's not very happy is he and was that the reason why you don't go there and give a straight line so they got value for money that's well you know you don't get away you, you just keep them flat so you don't get a good idea when they wake up God. <laughs> that's a good idea <laughs> obviously you don't you don't leave them in danger but you do yeah. you leave them just let yeah. them yeah groggy you don't let them yeah, you don't wake them up too quick because it can be a bit of a sledgehammer to wake them up. Yeah, so that was a bit of a tough week then, wasn't it? Yeah, it was. Yeah, and I thought, you know, the five people that I went to and I couldn't do anything for them after all that training and the chat that I did. And we took him to hospital and I was still doing, we, we booked him in, bearing in mind he wasn't breathing 25 minutes earlier and I'm still doing my paperwork in the vehicle when he walks out. Self-discharges and buggers off. That's the end of that. Amazing. Bye. <laughs> Thanks for your help. Bye. <laughs> I thought, yes, mate. And I just thought, you know, five times in the mortuary, slotted five in the fridge, and then the last one. Yeah. You know, and there were all the others were young people. They weren't, they weren't like in their 80s. One was 48, one was 50-something, and they were, they were, you know, relatively not old yeah. people. I mean, obviously, eating the pork pies years ago had done the damage. Mm-hmm. And the sausages, you know, that's what had done the damage. But nevertheless, they were still, they were dead. So. Have you got any stories about mortuary? No. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> well, it was actually one that was relayed to me. So I, oh, can't, right. I, I can't take ownership of this one. But I do tell my, my students this, uh, about this. And I remember, because I was squeamish, when I, when I went to the mortuary, I remember doing my training and me being squeamish. I was kind of 
kind of scared about it. And it was a really old hospital, um, Victorian type hospital, and the mortuary was in the cellar. And um, and I remember walking down this corridor, and I can remember the footsteps as you're hearing all the time, and you get to the big blue door that says unauthorized entry, no entry only. You know the kind of thing yeah, with white yeah. glass, mm-hmm. and you ring the bell, and it echoes like it's in like it's in a church steeple. Yeah. yeah. And then the door clicks, and the door goes, <laughs> and this face goes, yes. And you think, Here we go. So. And I was really screaming, I was really worried about this bit. So we was going in to see his first post-mortem. And to be fair, if you've seen one, they're not very nice things to see, are they? No. And have I'm, you ever seen one? No. No, 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 never seen one. Have you seen one? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, from start to finish? Uh, no, I don't think it was start to finish. No, well, for about an hour. we went in and there was this chap and he looked like a Hell's Angel. And was, not that there's no wrong with Hell's Angels, I'll have to say, but he got... Is this the mortician or is this the... No, it was the eviscerator. This is the eviscerator, the mortuary attendant. Yeah. Oh, it was right. the evisceration. And, and anyway, wages in and we were sat around this specimen. Now out comes this really bubbly young chap who's a home office pathologist. Yeah. He was really, really nice. He was bubbly. I thought, he, that doesn't sound like the right attitude in the end. He described this patient and he actually read the notes apparently. He's, he's one of the few doctors that do read all your notes that you make when he's cutting up the patient. See, anyway, he starts off this procedure, and I was fascinated. You know, I, I forgot all about the squeamishness, and I was like, "What's that bit there? What's that bit there?" What's and all these people that have been goading me, I turned around, looked at them, and their eyes are wobbling in the back of the head. I thought, "Hey, up, they're gonna go." Yeah. But did it, and it was so warm as well. We, then days, remember the NATO jumpers we used to wear? Yes. Well, we, had, yeah. we I took them in thinking it'd be a horrible cold place. And they all took Vic and rubbed it under yeah. the nose because of the smell. And the smell was no worse than for years. I've been going down to the local scrapyard next to the maggot factory. Yeah, you know where they got the old carcasses and horses yeah, all yeah. hanging up and all rotting away. And it wasn't as bad as that. But anyway, we got through that. And then this lad tells me this story. He was ex-army and he was telling me this story. One of the colleagues on the course. And we were having dinner. And the, the, the bloke at the... Ca- at the hotel well at this plate the dings where we was at if he'd known you'd been to post-mortem he always cooked liver and onions <laughs> <laughs> i think he knew anyway so he's telling me a story about he says oh he says i'll tell you a story about mortuaries he says so it didn't happen to us but he says we had this he says copper comes in on his first first treat like and they said they're going to try and expose him to a body because he was very nervous about it so they spend time, they, get, they arrange for him to go down into the mortuary. And if you've ever been in a mortuary, they're like, all the fridge doors are against one wall, aren't yeah. they? And it's, it's, they're a solemn kind of a place, aren't they? Mm. They're very clinical and, yeah. you know, they're yeah. very... Not happy. Yeah. No, not places, really. They? Not and they do have a strange smell. You know, they have a strange... Yeah. Yeah, yeah, cross between disinfectant and... It's like formaldehyde. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a certain... There's a certain kind of acceptance that everything procedures have to be followed. There's no, there's no like joking or manoeuvring the procedures. The procedures are exact, so rigid. you know it's part of. Yeah, they are, and they have to be. You say rigid. Rigid. So anyway, so they get this cop in here, the old uh, fridge door, and they open the fridge door, and they slide out this fridge and in the shroud, and 
you know, we're going to show this body, open this body, and end this body. Suddenly, just opened his eyes, looks up, flying into there. Poor bloke didn't know what hit him, did he? So anyway, when he calms down, he gave him a cup of tea and a biscuit, and they, they said, look, we played the prank on you. Can we play the prank on somebody else? And he says, as long as it's not a WPC, you know, I'm not going to take all my clothes off, are you going to bring it up? No, nothing like that, they said. So all his mates had talked him into... You know, we'll get use you to get your own back. You, you, you rally done to you. So yeah, all right then. So they talked him into stripping off. So it's stripped off, start bollock naked. Gets him in the shroud. <laughs> Here we go, shroud on, into the drawer, on the drawer, fairly cold. Yeah. Slams the door. Slots the tray in. Slams the door. Now apparently there's a light in the mortar, and when you shut in the fridge, so when you shut the door, the light goes out. Okay. So it's a bit final, a bit like a cell door, all your coppers out there. Now, when that cell door slams yeah. and the lock's gone, well, the mortar is a bit like that. Those kind of sounds live with you, don't they? I do, yeah. So in goes, the, in goes the body. So he's in there, like, and it's bloody dark and it's cold. Now, I would imagine being in there one minute would feel like an hour. Mm. Yeah, so yeah. time sticking yeah. by. So anyway. He's laid there and he's chewing it over in his mind, thinking what they're going to do. And after about five minutes, he's thinking, something not right here. So after 10 minutes, he's starting to really panic now. He thinks, the bastards have left me, they've left me. So he starts shouting and screaming and banging. They say, let me out, let me out. All of a sudden, this fucking hand comes across inside, grabs his and goes, fucking hell, mate, cold in here, isn't it? <laughs> Double whammy. Double whammy. Ah, the bloke didn't have a coronary, I don't know. Oh, God, yeah. But, hey, it's them kind of stories that keep us going. Yeah. Again, the general public won't understand them, would they? No, but they'll find it very funny. So we've got a few public, uh, well, non, non-service non personnel listen to this. So oh, did it? Oh, I'm well, sure I apologise. No, I'm which, sure they'll find that amusing. Yeah, I'm sure it's a will. good way of letting off steam. Mm. So, yeah. you told us about, you know, some of your favourite jobs, like dealing with the elderly yeah, people. Them, yeah. What's the worst type of job you, you deal with? No, I don't mean in terms of... Blood and guts. No. Blood and guts. No, I mean, do you, so you mentioned about people that were drinking the guy that was on the steps of the nightclub. Do you, do you find that infuriates? Do you think, think it's a waste of resources or I, is there something else? I that... think that the ones that upset me most are when is, um, and I remember it nearly reduced me to tears. In fact, I was telling my course last week about it, about um, went to a property and there was drugs and alcohol involved and, you know, we're sorting it out and, uh, local known was being naughty and, mm-hmm. and the police came and we're just all cleaning up the job and we're just about to go and we heard a kiddie cry and I thought oh no here we go and there was two young kids in the house that in the excitement and those those on the service emergency services will know that sometimes not everything presents as it does mm-hmm. and I went to this kid and this poor kid and he was there and he got his action man with him and he was just like it's the same age as my grandson and you know and you know the people they were there and they were highest kind they were being aggressive and you know and they're really in your face and wanting to fight with you and you're trying your best to do for this kiddie you know and he ain't got a chance has he you know when and not passing judgment because what are the hours that they job's in? normal though isn't it yeah that's right but it, i broke my heart like mm. You know, and I bet you've been to those kind of jobs. Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, yeah. And it, it's it's it's, it's sad, the worst it? kind. And I think, you know, and they're really aggressive towards you, and you think all I'm doing is trying to help you. You know, mm. and they're really giving you grief. Mm. 
Have you seen a change in that type of behaviour from when you first started to how it is now? I think it's cultural. I think the world is a lot more vicious place than it used to be. You know, you go, you could go in to help somebody if you went into a pub and everybody was drunk. They all knew that they were going, you were there to help them. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think that society's changed. I think they're entitled now, and I think that you know sometimes they. Um, you know they they want to fight you, fight the world. Mm. You you're there to do your best. You you follow the rules. You fit into, you know, treat everybody with respect like you should. You know, and absolutely, you know, you should have no vices or edges, no dis discrimination when you go in. Uh, equality, treat everybody, mm. you know, in an equitable way, differently, diverse way. Yeah. And catering for their individual that's needs. That's it, yes, catering yes. for their individual needs. And there's still people still want to chuck things at you or throw knives at you. Or, mm. Have or, you been assaulted? Uh, yeah, but not in a... Only by, by a little old lady, actually. Uh, <laughs> who really... Yeah, I mean, she... she you make her a shit cup of tea? No, she had she got dementia and we, right. was, you know, we, was, we was looking after her. And they tend to grab hard. I didn't know where a 90-year-old can get so much strength from. Mm. But a horse bite, you know, they grab hold of a piece of skin and they got hold of it, they don't let go, and it hurts. Mm. But how, you know, you, oh. I wouldn't much of somebody if I made anything of that, would I? Hey, <laughs> come on, it's me. Well, who did that then? Well, a little 90 year old lady. Oh. You know, you wouldn't. Mm. No, but half of it is, is making sure that, and I'm sure you're the same, that the door's open behind you and you've yeah. got a way out <laughs> yeah. if it kicks off. Yeah, I mean, I, I certainly noticed a change from when I started in the police towards the end of my career that assaults on ambulance staff, yeah, and paramedical ambulance technicians, paramedic for it was they were becoming more frequent, certainly towards the latter end of my career. Whereas when I first started, never, it never happened. It was if no. it, well, if it did, it was very rare. There was always a respect for for that, yeah. wasn't there? But but the, even if without the assaults, the, just the aggression and the anti the yeah. attitude you know demanding this and this this is my entitlement i want this yeah i know my rights that's it yeah. i pay your wages that's yeah. Yeah. One. Oh, you used to get that yeah too. i pay your wages well that's good well i need a word with you because i'm yeah. pretty quick short <laughs> last week can you sort it you want to pay the rest of it now yeah there is the other side to the coin and i, I counsel stuff when i say about being assaulted is that there's not very many situations you can't talk people down from and sometimes through, I don't know whether it's stress top up or, or what it is, that sometimes the attitude of the, it, it's the old scenario that if you've got, if you've got an argument, a fire going between people and you, you put fuel on it, it's going to blow up in your face. And yeah. I think that mm. if you come in with the wrong attitude, like, and I think the worst thing you can do is to show indifference to any, mm. any anybody that you're helping. If you show indifference to them, they're really not. Yeah. As if they mean nothing yeah. to yeah. you. Yeah, we've got this uh, Batari's box, that, isn't it? Yeah. Batari's box. It is. Yeah. yeah. Which uh, is a very effective model for, it for is, dealing yeah. with you know, it's a spiral, yeah. And your attitude, if they've got a bad attitude, you've got a bad attitude, that feeds their attitude yeah. and it goes around. Yeah, that's it. right, yeah. I don't know whether you get the same thing, and perhaps you, you did, but we would have our regular customers, and some of them would be so regular that you could drive to their address with your eyes closed. Yeah. You know, yeah. there's mm -hmm. some, certainly some addresses in Newark where I, I can still yeah. remember 
all the names of the people involved, the house number, etc., etc., because we'll be going there three, maybe four times a week. Yeah. We really didn't get to... Uh, we did, of course, you, you got regular people, but the nature of the work is, is that years ago when we worked in our own town, the core would take you because the main feeding hospitals were the main cities around our little place. Yeah. They um, once you was away from your town, you didn't you didn't see you didn't work the same area twice. Oh right. In one day, so you go here twenty mile away, then you send you to the next town with another job, and then you'd end up. You know, I mean. I, so how big an area does EMAS cover then? I well, it's uh, from from the skate from the east coast now, right up to Stockport to Manchester, uh, right wow. down to South Northampton, near Northampton, which is n- nearly North London, is it? In Northampton, how far does Northampton go down? It's a long way down, yeah. Massive area, massive area. So you could find literally find yourself. Coming you could on if you was just unlucky, you could end up in in Lincolnshire or or. Or you know, nearly in Cambridgeshire, you know, Peterborough would be a feeder. Right. Peterborough a few times, uh, but that's because of the nature of the work and the technology that that exists. So if you're the nearest vehicle, off you go. And mm. anybody that thinks that they're under the illusion that they they're there for, you know, they're going to let you drive past an emergency, you know, to because it's not on your. Pan. Sure, it's like the nearest resource. Quite unacceptable, absolutely. So, do you feel that the service that is provided now is as good or better or worse than when you first started? Technically, I think it's better. I think it's got to be better. I think that you know the skills and the training that's taking place um, far outstrips anything. When I started, I had a box of five drugs and some needles and some procedures, but now it, it's um, really in depth. Um, and now our extended paramedics, what they do, the heart team, they, they, they're cutting people's chests when they need to. And, um, and that's done by paramedics? Yeah. Or surgery at the roadside. Yeah. Yeah. Well, they, they'll, they'll do chest drains and yeah. things like that. So, yeah. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, it is. And doctors on the helimed, and now the doctors on the helimed, they'll come and certain, if it's indicated, they'll do a a thoracotomy where they open the chest up on the side of the road actually open the chest break the ribs open and inside the chest to do something if they think this if it's worthwhile that's incredible absolutely so i think i mean so there wasn't the technology to do that or the training years ago well they didn't because because ambulance staff were like you know they were treated there was resentment when paramedics became paramedics because of the skills you get a nurse that trains for three years and I had six weeks training, I could stick needles in people. Okay. You know, it's more about the training was for you know, there's a problem, sort the problem, think about it after. You know, you've gotta you've gotta sort the problem or somebody's gonna die and you don't have time to think sometimes. Mm. I remember in a conversation with a consultant and he said you people have seconds to make decisions and you you only have seconds you know, you don't get the, oh, we'll send you for a test first, we'll see what happens here. Oh, we'll do that blood test, we'll see what that mm. result is, or we'll see what the x-ray is. Can you, can you urinate in this pot for me? Yeah. <laughs> none of that, yeah. none of that. It's like you go in and some, so, you know, mm. you're not doc- you are not doctors. You know, never, never would you say that somebody should take that on board and think that they're anything more than what they are. Okay. Paramedics are... Good at life saving in the acute phase, 
that's what they do and to some extent with extended training they provide that other care that that's you know the healthcare can't you know the nurses well in hospitals that front line you yeah. know there's enough doctors to go around dishing out antibiotics i don't mean dishing them out I mean, yeah. really, but yeah. you know with clear cut guidelines helping keep some of the pressure off the hospitals are there lots of vacancies now for paramedics? Are they, they are doing a lot. Of tr- they are uh, recruiting quite a lot as well. They have a high turnover of staff, and I think that's probably a, the expectation. The people that come into it probably don't fully appreciate what's involved and the the toll that it will take on them. And I think when I'm training, I do tend to try play heavily on that about what's out there, how difficult it is for. Um, staff, you know, what kind of in jobs they're going to go to and how difficult it is for managers to manage those staff because, mm. you know, everybody kicks the manager and I've been one for many years in between the middle where you get kicked from below and kicked from the top. Yeah. And it's it's difficult for managers to manage people when um, the pressures that they're under, you know, because at the end of the day, I don't know how the police work, when you're in a car, I mean, I had friends on traffic when they were in the car, they're their own boss. They're going mm. where they want, they did what yeah. they want. Mm. And to some extent, the crews, nobody's watching them. They, they get the job and off they go. Yeah. The eye in the sky is watching them, but they go and their, their involvement with that, that patient is, is down to that. Mm-hmm. So, um, but they say that the, the paramedic, the, the lifespan of a paramedic, and I don't mean in terms of life as in, no pulse. I mean, in lifetimes I've actually been paramedicing, it's about seven years, and then they move on and do other things. Right. So, climb the ladder or, or leave and do something else. And is that because of the, the, the constant pressure? I think so, yeah. I think, I think, I think resilience is a thing. I mean, right. when we came to it, we, you know, I knew what I was signing up for. Yeah. I knew, you know, I was going to be, you know, kind of that in the back of your mind, you're going to give you give you all the first mm. thing is for the patient the patient comes first every time yeah but i think there's a bit more well what about me in all this equation and i think that then that's forgot about and i'm sure you know pcs are the same i think they're probably the same that you know the younger that seem to have less resilience and i don't mean that in a negative way but i don't know if it's because of the expectation or the amount of pressure that's put on them right from the word go. See, I've had 23 years to get to what I've got. So these people have come in, have a two-year degree, and they're expected to do what I've done in 23 years. Mm. But the criteria for for joining change, like qualification-wise, because we've had recent discussions about the snowflake generation coming in, how prepared they are for this role, how much have they been told about how bad it can be at times. Um, So... Is it the same with the paramedics then? Do, do you think they need to be told straight about this is what it can be like at times to reduce the number of people that are going, well, hang on a minute, I didn't sign up to this? I don't think, I think the uh, whole thing about um, the shift pattern, the impact it has on your life shifts, like you say, police in the same thing with shifts, aren't they? You know, you go in, you do 12 hours and, you know, 12 hours hard work. And uh, I think that toll that it takes on people mentally and physically. I don't think people are fully appraised of that. Um, but in fairness to, you know, the, the courses are quite well subscribed. The university courses are quite subscribed. But then 
I don't know. You know what? What? What would you be better? Would you be better having somebody who's thirty years old or forty years old that's seen a bit of life, but probably won't be able to take on the information, or do you want somebody who's crisp and top of the game, being able to make quick decisions? Mm. You know, how how do you quantify it? I think it's very difficult to to say what would make a good person for it. I think sometimes you just have to go with it and see what comes out the other end. Okay. Train the people and see what happens. I'm sure there's bad coppers and yeah, absolutely. Not so. I feel let down when somebody doesn't do what they should do and they should know what they do. I feel that lets the organisation out. Like like a bad cop, I suppose. Mm-hmm. You know, if a copper doesn't do what he's supposed to do, it let makes you all feel because you operate within the field of trust of the public. You're there because the public want you there. Yeah. Any last uh, thoughts about uh, advice for people around the world listening to this about thinking world? about joining up and, and well, signing up to be a paramedic? What I would say to you is don't listen to what they say in America about the NHS because the NHS is the best organisation in the whole world. Yeah, yeah. Hey! Always has been, yeah, always absolutely. will be. Yeah. It's the only thing the working man of this country has got left because they've chipped everything else off in pensions and otherwise. But yeah, well said. It's the only place where you can drop down in the street and there is a like a pressure to get an ambulance to you within eight minutes. And I mean, I know that's nearly impossible everywhere. And the care that you get is the best care that can be. You end up in hospital, in a resource department, top doctors, you go to the right place. So, you know, I would say, you know, if, you, if you're in a country where you haven't got an NHS, you need to experience our NHS to understand how it works. And it's always going to, little things are always going to go wrong because it's the vast, is it the second biggest employer in Europe? I think it's really up there, yeah. yeah. It's a massive, yeah. massive amount. Of, my daughter's in the NHS now, my wife spent a lifetime in the NHS. Mm. And to be able to say, when they go to bed at night, I cared for somebody, it made a difference. That's a big thing, isn't it? Uh, yeah. When you've shocked somebody and they've woke up and said, thank you for saving my life. You know, uh, you think, yeah. well, yeah, okay. No check like you could always put a check in the post. But <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a really positive note to yeah. end on. Yeah, so, yeah absolutely. Uh, absolutely. We'd like to thank you very much for your time. Thank you, you very much. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, well, I hope, I hope uh, we get some good feedback from the listeners. Out well, there. absolutely. Oh, I've no doubt yeah. we will. All right, and we'll fox to Oscar. We'll fox to Oscar.